Welcome to the Soulful Sound Podcast. This podcast is about celebrating the leaders, teachers, and coaches who guide fellow humans to connect, heal, and discover themselves so they can express their gifts into the world. I am Simone Niles, a coach, sound healer, vocalist, and author. Thank you for being here with me today. Oh, yumminess galore. <laughs> I am so happy to see you, Marta. Everyone, I am joined by this beautiful woman, Marta Salcedo, who is an empowerment coach, guiding women back to their power through mindset work, movement, breath work, and rituals. Now, I'm excited because you and I met earlier this year and we collaborated in a cacao ceremony and sound healing workshop, which was just magic. And I know that when we experienced that together, that I just thought I, ha I was called, you know, I was like, I've got to speak more with this amazing soul and know more about your story, your work, and share that yumminess with the world because it's, it was an incredible experience. Thank you. Thank you, Simone. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, yes, I'm excited to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you here. And I guess the, the first question I always like to ask, because you do a lot of amazing work, is really how did your how did your journey actually begin into the work that you do? Because I'm sure there are many things along the way that guided you to work with women in this way. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for asking. So this is such a big question. Um, I'm trying to feel what part I get to start with, but I guess my healing journey personally started when I was 17 mm. and I asked for help for the first time and I started therapy and I was already dancing at the time. I've, I've been dancing all my life since I was seven and then I moved to London when I was 18. So the personal work that I was doing with my therapist working through my depression and, you know, believing in myself again, led me to wanting to do this with, with my clients and with my, my students. So I carry on um, training as a professional dancer in London. And then accidentally, actually, I didn't even, it, I was just covering for someone. I started teaching heels classes, um, very sensual and sexy dancing. And then mm. I could see how the women came to these classes very shy, with a lot of judgment, with a lot of things that didn't belong to them, things that they have learned from society. And these classes will allow them to tap into a new way of relating with movement, a new way of relating with their body, with their mind. So I then decided to study a little bit more about human behavior, neuro-linguistic programming, breath work, and personal training also. So movement mm. coaching, really learning how to take care of your physical body, not only mental and emotional. And that's kind of like how I started mixing movement and mindset. And then the spiritual side of things, I started traveling three years ago. I flew to Cape Town, to South Africa, and... I did this like online course on pranayama breath work, which completely changed my life from home. Mm. And I started traveling. I went to Guatemala, Lake Atitlan. I went to Ecuador. I started working with plant medicines to deepen my own healing practices. And then I moved to Mexico, where I'm based right now. And I'll say the the work that I do with women really is a result of my own personal journey. And I always mm. try to learn new ways of supporting women and guiding women back to their power. Just remembering, like, and learning everything that you have learned from society and from the system. Because it's so disempowering and it just, yeah, you know, kind of like you forget who you are. So mm. Mm. it's all a remembering, really. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. And I like that you kind of speak about it from that place of peeling back the layers of, you know, to mm -hmm. reveal the core, as you say, remembering of what is already there. And I'm curious as to how, in, in terms of movement, of course, there's so many movement practices, but for you, especially because you started or, you know, you're a trained dancer, you did that professionally, but you also mentioned, I think you said heels, right? So you mean high heels and sensual yes. movements in that way. Exactly. That's incredible. Like I'm not, I'm not great with heels myself. So that would have been a very interesting um, experience. <laughs> One I would definitely do. Um, but my question really is about uh, that movement in particular, being in touch with the body, the sensuality, 
and all of that. How are you using it now? You know, obviously having done your training, worked with people, but what's what's present in it right now for you in terms of helping women and empowering them, I guess, to step into their power? Mm-hmm. The way I use movement has evolved a lot throughout the I'm years. Sure. So when I started, it was more choreography based <clears throat> and kind of dancing to the latest popular song, which there's a lot of medicine in choreography work. And there's a lot of medicine on also dancing to music that you resonate with and that you listen to in the radio. Absolutely. However, the way I use movement right now is way more intuitive. Yeah. So I'll play some of the popular songs that some of my clients might know. And I also play music that is completely instrumental with, you know, no lyrics, music they might not know. And it invites them to explore sensuality with their eyes closed, with breath. Mm. Again, very, very intuitive from a space of what is that your body needs right now? And yes. letting go of the judgment, especially on, you know, self-touch and touching yourself in a very gentle way. Like I always mm. tell them, touch yourself as someone that you adore. Like how will you touch your partner and your son and your kids and your mom? Like we start mm. from that space of appreciation of self. And then if we are working with sensuality at, the, at that moment, we definitely tap into pleasure and playfulness and, and yes. being flirty and exploring that lover seductress archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily teach heels at the moment, but it's yep. something today at this present moment is something that has been very present that I do want to get back into. I kind of like, I stopped three years ago when I moved out of London because I can also see how that's a barrier for so many people that want to explore sensuality, mm. you know, sensual moves. So kind of stop and okay, no heels anymore. But yes. now I can also see how there's a there's a beautiful desire of a lot of people actually learning how to dance in heels and mm. also have that technique. So there's medicine in yeah. Of course, of course there is. And I think obviously, as you said, some of the practices or things that you've done have evolved. So not mm-hmm. that you won't ever go back to teaching in, in heels, but it's okay that you're now, you know, barefoot on the ground, right? It's just, mm-hmm. as you said, the medicine can be can be expanded across. And I mean, I, I, I can draw that parallel very much in sound because a lot of I mean, I work a lot in, with people in the music industry because that's my background. And a lot of the time people coming into courses with me or training with me, the first thing is to go with the technique, go with the head, you know, like the choreograph, you know, like you said, choreographed and to have the polished sound. And then it's really about stripping all of that away and mm-hmm. going into this moment of surrender and improv and vulnerability to just be but like you said i think the formula is very clear across both which is play curiosity um you know, improvising which suggests that you have to be vulnerable and open to not knowing what's going to come out right or mm-hmm. happen um so it's it's lovely to see that that's translating you know in the work that you're doing from a movement perspective um as well and i'm someone i mean i grew up in the caribbean and we love movement and moving our waist mm-hmm. and shaking our hips it's a very i would generalize and say a sensual culture in in certain aspects in certain mm-hmm. ways so i completely relate to the power of getting into the body and moving and being free. Do you feel called to use your voice and sound in a healing capacity? Learn how to use your voice therapeutically to facilitate healing and well-being. Whether you want to go deeper in your own healing journey or facilitate others in theirs, this training is for you. This online training runs over five weekends and offers theory, practice, resources, and support on your path to becoming a qualified sound healer and for your personal healing journey. Free. Mm-hmm. And as you said, not judging it. It's not like I need to have this technical thing down because uh, yeah. that, that wouldn't be me. <laughs> but mm-hmm. certainly being free to move my body in, in whatever way the, the sounds and the music drives it or the silence because, mm-hmm. you know, there's power in that as well. Exactly. And I love yeah. that, you, that you mentioned about like Caribbean, you know, and, mm-hmm. and moving your hips. We get to learn so much and remember where yes. movement and dance and we all come from and African dance and mm. Jamaican like dancehall for yes. me has been a big part in my journey as well. Awesome. I've been part of dancehall company since I was 16. Fab, I didn't Actually, know, amazing. <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I moved to London. I first went to London when I was 18 to do um, 
an intensive training with a dancehall company from Jamaica. Wonderful. Which completely changed my life. And mm. yeah, there's a lot of hips, but I also get, I got to learn a lot about the culture and how they use movement in such a way to unite and to socialize. It's not something just for themselves to learn with the mirror, but it's like, you know, they all know the step and there's a song yes. to the step. And it's just, it's amazing. I love it. I love how social it is. Mm. So African dance for me has been massive. Even when I went to, I moved to Los Angeles for a few uh, months, I was also performing and training there with an Afrobeats um, company. So and it was, cool. it was the best. So you obviously sound like you're well-traveled. And I know that you spent some time um, in Peru as well, I believe it was, that we spoke about and a few other places and, you know, went very much into the culture and really taking, you know, care, I would say, of traditions mm. and things like this. And we spoke about this um, in the session that we did together in the cacao ceremony. I'd love to know more about your journey with plant medicine because this is something that I know very much around you. Yes. So I haven't had the pleasure yet to be to visit Peru, but I was okay. in Guatemala. Oh, yes. Guatemala. There we yes. go. Yes. Okay. So I visited Guatemala and Ecuador and I'm now in Mexico. And Guatemala, Lake Aditlan, ooh, that changed completely the tra trajectory of my life. And it Amazing. has influenced me deeply in who I get to be today. So I moved to Guatemala, not really mm. knowing. I mean, I moved, I flew to Guatemala with one-way ticket, not really know what to expect. And I attended this retreat that it was all working with the plant medicine of cacao, which is mm. not a psychedelic. It doesn't make you see things. It doesn't alter your conscious state as much as obviously other plants. However, working with cacao, witnessing Mm. you know the traditional ways and ancestral ways of honoring the plant sitting around the fire honoring the four elements that was deeply mm. transformative without the need of taking psychedelic yes so yeah that retreat was a whole week and we were doing fire ceremonies water ceremonies cacao ceremonies singing praying mm. Keys in the ground it was deeply humbling especially as someone that has always lived in big cities like like was born in Barcelona, moved to London, mm. so big city to big city. And I had to unlearn so many things and unbecomes mm. and deeply realize, you know, my ego had to go through so many deaths of who I thought I was. Yes. So at that moment, I didn't, my only plant medicine was cacao, which I continued to work with. Obviously, we got to co-create magic together. Mm. And the community that I was learning um, from, they are the guardians of the spirit of cacao. So they have a lot of history and they know a lot about how to do things in an ancestral way. And they keep the tradition alive to this day, which That's beautiful. Yeah, I'm super, super grateful to have experienced that. And then I just decided to stay there. I decided to continue learning from them. All the medicines like the mascal, which you enter this kind of like sweat lodge space mm. where you are kind of entering the womb of mother earth It's completely pitch black and you just sweat let go and then you are reborn as you step out of the temazcal and and then i flew to ecuador in what mm. ecuador is when i tried ayahuasca for the first time and you know what like people always ask me oh my god how was the ayahuasca experience because i think yeah. it's very popular and it's kind of trendy now it's like it yes, is isn't it ayahuasca yeah trying to heal me it's like no my love <laughs> it will not i mean if you the have magic the magic potion you go in and then you come out healed yes. <laughs> there's such a misconception yes. that plant medicine just heals you and mm. if we go if we approach medicine in that way we again giving our power away to something outside of ourselves and we get to understand that we are responsible of our own healing yes and there's also so much healing on having a conversation with your dad rather than avoiding that and just taking plant medicine which happens a lot in the yes. spiritual yeah. community too the abuse of the medicine yes my personal experience with ayahuasca i you know it had been already probably like eight nine years on and off therapy healing a lot from my childhood trauma which long story short my dad committed suicide so I had to just heal a lot with 
the relationship with my dad, with my mom, and the pain that he caused in my family. A lot of beliefs mm. that I had around, you know, my family is broken. I'm never going to be able to be happy because of this, of this, this. So when I sat with ayahuasca, I already had done a lot of work with psychotherapy. Yes. And, and in Guatemala. So ayahuasca for me was a beautiful trip. Honestly, it was six hours of death and rebirth it was a constant experience of me seeing myself in different shapes and forms and colors mm. dying this integrating and then just like kind of like a phoenix from the ashes being reborn as an avatar as a, as an actual phoenix mm. phoenix as as mother earth as, as a mountain as a river as a bee at some point so it was it's kind of like the theme, the theme of my life. I feel like I just go through so many different phases and I yes. just get to embrace all the change. Yeah. And more experience with plant medicine. I also had the opportunity to try bufo, mm-hmm. which is this venom that comes from a frog. And it's it's very strong. I don't think I recommend it for everyone because it's, it's quite a big trip. But it was, again, oh my God, life-changing. I mean, mm. it, it's, it's the master teacher of surrender. Bufu really teaches you to let go. And I'm someone that tends to control things and like to, as right. we all have this illusion that we have the control of things. Yes, and I'm, exactly. I'm an expert at that. <laughs> so, so Bufu was a great teacher of like, just let go, surrender, open. Because the first few minutes I was really resisting and being so scared and fearful. What's happening? I'm out of control. What's happening? And in the moment that I just completely exhale and surrender, I had the most blissful, blissful ecstatic experience just laying on the ground and feeling so connected and you have this moment of awareness that we are all connected with everything and everyone and I was just laying there feeling the breeze you know my face and just recognizing myself in the element of air recognizing myself Mm -hmm. on the earth underneath me recognizing myself on the shaman that was singing next to me it was like Mm. there's no separation your connectedness that's so beautiful And I, I mean, there's so much to unpack there. You shared such wonderful nuggets. And the first thing that I want to say is I'm so grateful to have someone actually say how important it is to be responsible with plant medicine, because a lot of it, right, as you said, is very trendy and everyone's like the next trip to here to have this and the next trip. And and also, as you said, with this um, preconceived idea that this is going to fix them or heal them and having that um, external let's say, even though plant medicine is is natural and powerful, but having that external versus internal, um, stim- let's say, stimulus, right, is an interesting thing to think about. As you said, you did a lot of the work through psychotherapy, your own questions, having conversations with the, with the hard conversations. And then these are then you were then able to open up to all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really appreciate your vulnerability in your story, because talking about suicide, I'm sure, especially close to home is not an easy topic. So I'm very grateful and I honor you for sharing that because there are a lot of people who of course will either relate or just want to learn more about how you maybe in your in your own example mm-hmm. um, overcame that. Um, but the other side that I wanted to ask about was and you've spoken about this before and then you've brought it back. You spoken you spoke about remembering who we are. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, unlearning, all the unlearning and the things that mm-hmm. you have to kind of, you know, recondition mm-hmm. in order to remember. And even though there were two separate things you were talking about, I think it's a beautiful, I want to say both sides of the same coin. And I would wonder if you could speak a little bit more to that. What are some of the things that you yourself have done or that you work with people to do to help unlearn and mm-hmm. remember who they are or we are at our truest essence? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I love that. I mean, this is such a big topic. <laughs> I know. I, I do know. This is a conversation on its own. Any nuggets are welcome. <laughs> I'll say, I mean, there's many books. I think my spiritual awakening and practices really started just with books like The Power of Now, The mm. Uncertain Soul that I read years ago. And at, and at that time, I was living in London. And it's when you start questioning the answers that you were given. Yes. Cool. And by education, it's like, oh, okay. Um, so the first and easiest step for you to uh, learn and remember a book accessible mm. for everyone 
And also contemplation, stillness, really allowing yourself to be still. There's so much that we can remember and that we can tap into once we allow ourselves to be still. And as it's cliche and it seems so simple, and this is I was speaking to you on my Instagram, it's like all of these things, we know them, they're on our mind. We have read about them. Okay, sit five minutes and meditate. We know these things, but if our body hasn't experienced them, Yes. You're missing the whole point. It, this, you know, we are so stuck in our mind and just gaining, gaining, gaining more knowledge without actually embodying that truth in ourselves. So something that I, I practice that I give to my clients, honestly, when we start working as simple as contemplating, sitting in nature and contemplating the connection that happens with all the elements at the same time. Right. And with unlearning, there's a lot of practices such as really understanding where the beliefs that you hold, where do they come from? Right. Who do yeah. you learn this from? Was this from your dad, from your mom? Who mm. are you choosing to be now as an adult? Because mm. your childhood doesn't have to define your future. So all the beliefs that you learned in your childhood, the ways of loving, the ways of relating, the way the ratio with your money, all of those things you have been learning from someone else. And as you become, as you mature and as you grow into this beautiful adult you get to choose what yes. you continue subscribing to yes 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 so just reclaiming yeah. that sovereignty of like okay i learned this from a school and i've been indoctrinated i'm aware that the system just wants me to follow and to have a nine-to-five job and i get to decide i get to empower myself and choose what's true for me yeah and i think the the second part of that is what i would have asked you about in terms of first recognizing right? Yeah. That there is something that isn't aligned or that there is something that in the conditioning is not serving you because we can stay in that loop, right? Like a hamster on a wheel and constantly just live on that, in that space, but dropping in through the silence, through the reflection, through the, again, reading something or having a conversation in depth with someone that stimulates something or motivates your curiosity for me is a very big part of first getting to that stage where you know there's something to do, mm -hmm. you know? And then of course the willingness to do it, the courage to delve mm -hmm. deep and all of those things would be some interesting steps to follow through. Mm -hmm. But I, I agree, we have a lot, a lot, a lot of conditioning. And, and I hear this a lot actually, um, and I'm very, I'm very pleased that my children who are teenagers, two teenage boys, older daughter, but they talk about this all the time with me there. It's like, I just, I cannot live in this, in the world, the way the government says I should live in it, the way, you know, mm -hmm. The school system says I need to be and behave. It's it's also outdated. And I think this generation, obviously not just my wonderful kids, but this generation is really um, demanding and waking up to this old script is no longer working. Mm -hmm. What is the new script? What is the new way of being in the world that we're living in today? And therefore, there is an awakening and a moment of something can change and we can create something new. Mm -hmm. um, not that that's being done all in a healthy way, but I like the waking up to it because then there is mo there are moments now where we're looking at education differently. Mm -hmm. We're looking at, okay, you don't have to follow, you know, stay in the box and go to school uh, go to college, then university, then get out of university, get a great job, meet the person, decide mm -hmm. to get married, have the kids, buy mm -hmm. the house, the whole works of this kind of structure that is so linear and not real. Yeah, it's super important for us to break that mold. And I love that it's happening more and more. Absolutely. I mean, to be honest, from I think from the events that happened at home with my dad my dad committed suicide when he was only 37 years old yeah so at the time that, that happened i was very young and at that time i just thought you know oh he's my dad adults died at, at that time i didn't really comprehend how young he was right um and the older i grew i always held i always had a mindset of like i just don't want to follow what everyone else is doing and get to live my life right like the yes. older girl was like oh my god he was only 37 what mm. so that was the moment that i was 17 and i just entered this deep depression of like yo the world <laughs> so you know so messed up yeah. so that's when you realize and you wake up to how mm, how we are all just following completely out of center. 
Mm. So I, I left home when I was 18. I didn't go to university. I mean, I carry on dancing. So I didn't follow the steps of, okay, get a job. And then nine to five, I went to college, studied contemporary mm. dance. And then from that, just everything started flowing, moved to Los Angeles with this company, came back to London, started teaching. And then as I was teaching, I saw how the people that were coming to my dance classes, they came for the movement, but through that movement, they were healing part of themselves that they didn't yeah. even know needed heal, needed healing. So I think we get to, as you say, start opening ourselves to, and I feel like we are all, you know, especially the new generations, mm-hmm. we're not so stuck in the old go to university and never really resonated with that and get a nine to five job. It's like life is way too short. And as long as yes. you're in your bliss and your joy, that is your power. Just filling your body with so much aliveness and energy force that you can, mm. it's its contagious. And we yes. all raise this frequency. And I don't want to sound too woohoo, but like the moment that you are filled with so much aliveness in you is how we get to empower one another, how we get to heal, how 100%. we get to remember, let go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as you said, we're all connected, right? And frequency mm-hmm. and energy, that 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 is something that doesn't lie. It's just it, it just is vibrant and it touches yeah. everyone, you know. It's like the simple things and I often say this to people when I talk about vibration and frequency cuz it does sound sometimes too either scientific or too like what does that mean? But mm-hmm. we all use those those words often, you know. It's like someone walks into a room and you're like, "Ah, oh, I'm really digging their vibe." You're really talking about the vibration cuz you don't necessarily know them or you're mm-hmm. just getting to know them, but something feels really congruent or something feels really beautiful in their energy. And we've, we've been doing that forever, right? This is something that we we say. And so bringing it down to a very practical thing, that is exactly what it is. And so as you say, when you are vibrant, when you are in that vital force that we have that exists within us, it is felt. It is mm-hmm. felt and people are drawn to it very often or depending on where they are, also it feels dissonant and it feels like it's too much. And so mm-hmm. they resist it, mm-hmm. which is both fine. Like, oh, no, I can't stand her or I can't stand being around him. Whatever the things that come out of our mouth, we have a sense of what we want to be around very often to what, yeah. what, what serves us and what doesn't. Not in all ways, but I think as we, as we get more sensitive and attuned to our intuition, that becomes more and more evident for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I know that you, in your work, you you talk about working with empowering women and helping them to step back into their power. So what would you say, if if there is? I mean, again, they're all huge topics. But if you could say, what are some of the biggest challenges you think women have, maybe right now that we face right now, that stops us from stepping into our power? What would some of those things be? We don't allow ourselves to be fully express the wild the soft the strong the driven lazy like we just i think you know the work that i do the most that i resonate right now with with the clients one-to-one especially the group program it's a remembering and a rewilding like really mm. owning all parts of yourself i love to work with archetypes yes i love to work with a wild woman archetype with the huntress with the lover of course the actress so the work that I do with women is owning the whole of you and not yes. just the driven and, and lineal and mental and strong woman, you know, independent woman lives in London and has a business and has a startup, but also <laughs> owning, <laughs> you know, like making time also for the wild woman in you. Yes. Barefoot and connecting with nature and having your ritual, mm. sitting with mm. a cup of cacao and and being able to open yourself and channeling and feeling into the energies of the wild woman the lover the mother for yourself reparenting yourself reparenting that inner child Mm. um so i think that the biggest you know disease especially as women is that we live in a man's world and we live in in a world that doesn't doesn't allow us to be free fully expressed yeah Beautiful. And I'll speak from, from my own experience as well. When I have been exploring most in my wild woman, especially living in, in Guatemala, which I was heavy on that archetype. Um, and I'll say probably even a bit, a bit on the shadow of it, a bit isolating and just not being able to relate anymore, which happens as well. When we work mm-hmm. with the archety- archetypes, we get to see the light and the shadow. Sure. Um, 
And this happens sometimes, especially in the spiritual community, that we can just be so there and so connected and, and back to the land that we just don't resonate anymore. <clears throat> and we miss the whole point. The point is not to just go back to the way things were. Mm. The point is like to learn from ancient wisdom and yes. be the bridge and to see that all the advances are happening right now and to be the bridge. Yes. Not, yeah. you know, um, ignore and avoid any of those out of fear. Yeah. Not living on either side, but embodying mm -hmm. it wherever you are. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's really beautiful. And let's just use one of those archetypes because, of course, there are many. Let's say the wild woman. Right now, someone comes to you and they're like really wanting to embody that particular in, in, you know, archetype, the energy, the wild and free. What are some of the things that you would say as a very like a starting point? So someone's listening right now and they're like, oh, I want to embody this wild woman. What mm -hmm. is one or two things that they could just do right now on their own to bring some of that energy and that archetype through? Mm hmm. So the first one is liberating yourself through movement. Of course, going back to the body, the wild woman is deeply connected with her body and nature mm. and she knows and understands the... And when I say she, this is an archetype and this yes. is a way of relating and being that we all have in our DNA, in our unconscious. Of this course. Is, you can research from Carl Jung, um, psychiatrist, way ahead of his time um, when he was writing about the archetypes. Yeah. But what I'll say right now definitely connecting with the breath and the movement and moving in a very intuitive way, allowing yourself to move in ways that you, your mind might judge, especially twerking, especially moving yeah. your hips mm. um, that we see as, I don't know, not classy enough or just we judge it. We have learned to judge it, mm. but we, this is, it's so healing. So the first thing that I would say is going back to movement, allowing yourself to just play your favorite song and, and tapping into that, especially if you can barefoot in nature. So you are yes. around fresh air. Um, you can connect with the wind, all of that. Mm. And the second thing that I will say is like the wild woman is deeply wise. So the wild woman has learned so much from the cycles. The wild woman is deeply connected with her moon, with her own cycle. So as a woman, if you bleed or you don't bleed, you still go through all of these cycles mm. so one of the exercises that i give to my clients the moment that we start working is like what day are you on we yeah. get to understand the all the seasons that we go through every week you're in a summer you're in a spring you're winter because a different archetype comes out and the wild woman is deeply connected to her to her own cycle and she honors her bleed she honors her blood she honors mm -hmm. the every phase and she doesn't try to push hard when she's bleeding or like be someone that she's not or yes. behave in a way that she just doesn't feel like at the moment. So she honors all of that, all of those rhythms. Mm. Um, and just one last thing I'll say with that, especially with a wild woman is a practice that I have started about a year and a half. Actually, when I did um, the ayahuasca retreat, it's collecting my blood. It's mm -hmm. offering my blood back to the Mother Earth. And I know yeah. that this, and I completely understand, completely understand. If you're listening to this and it's like, you're grossed out by it, I get it. I need to. With my first service, like, this is weird. But if you are using a cup, and if you aren't, you may want to try it. Mm -hmm. It works for you. But using a cup and then just offering it back to the land. You know, usually just put it in a glass and then with water and then just offer it back to the plants or to the garden. And this practice, being able to give back your blood to Mother Earth is just so, mm, I mean, it's so powerful. Yes. And you might find resistance at the beginning, but just having that moment of connection, this has come out of my womb. This was ready to create life and it has shared away. And now it's giving all of these nutrients and iron and magnesium back to Mother Earth. It's just such an intimate moment that we get to co-create with, with Mother Earth and the elements. So that's a practice. That I yeah, use. and it's actually a practice of mine as well. So for mm. everyone listening, the the weird and the wonderful, yes. you say, hey, sister, I hear you. Um, I, I also know that in our history, I mean, we know in our history, we didn't have the the same things that we have now i mean i use a cup too but imagine from tampons to pads to whatever mm -hmm. other things people may use that is not what what we had 
in in yeah. in our ancient civilizations we actually did naturally bleed on the earth and give yeah. this back to the earth and give it back to the sea and the water this was part of the tradition and mm -hmm. as a lot of things whether it's movement based practices or whether it is sound practices because sound was used in healing capacity before it become and became entertainment it was used for healing before it became something you know to to i guess lift our spirits from a musical perspective these things are old and we don't it, i know that we evolve but as you say going back to ancient practices that serve and embodying mm -hmm. that and bringing that into the here and now is what's really really important it's not saying that you need to live like a cave woman and just move your hips and you know eat from the earth and i mean that sounds amazing too right <laughs> we're like Ooh, actually go somewhere where it's like remote but it, that's not what we're saying in either of the work that we do but it is understanding the the depths and the offering that these mm -hmm. traditions and these ancient practices have and how they work as medicine. And I think it's incredible that you talk about this stuff because it's not spoken about often mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess a lot of people aren't comfortable sharing personal practices. So I think mm -hmm. it's probably the first time I've said this on a podcast. So hurrah, yay. Oh, <laughs> and this it's, is, oh, I love this. I mean, this is yes. exactly where the work happens. Even yes, you of course. Podcast owning these practices of course those that do it probably we take it for granted but i'm sure it was also a huge i mean i don't know how, how it was for you but i can imagine you also had to unlearn and let go of a lot of shame and curiosity at the beginning i don't, I don't know well how. it didn't feel like shame it, it felt like curiosity for sure and i was like i read about it i i have um other friends who are very much into that so it was a very relaxed in in fact way but my my first thoughts really were like mm, well, let's just see i don't know what the what, what's this really about you know mm -hmm. let's see let's see let's see and it was that curiosity and so for me it didn't feel like shame it felt and especially because um okay let's 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 put it this way as a mother Mm -hmm. I gave birth to three beautiful, healthy children. Mm -hmm. And in order for that to happen, I had to open my legs on a bed, it was, mm -hmm. and spread myself wide open for the birth of this being. What can be more vulnerable and humbling for me personally than that experience when a stranger, because you don't always have a great rapport with your midwife before giving birth, not everyone has a doula and a home birth or, you uh -huh. know, whatever. Exactly. This, this for me felt very much like there's this beautiful acceptance of of myself through the birthing of my children mm -hmm. and so in a way it feels as though i'm carrying that on through my menstrual cycle and offering that mm -hmm. so it's an interesting association that for me feels beautiful healing not to say that it's just about birth but it's so it's such a humbling experience that for me it didn't feel like shame but i can understand that it would for mm -hmm. a lot of people mm-hmm not even just this, right? But a lot of the things, the practices, it, it's really hard to, to peel and unlearn and get away from the conditioning. So absolutely. There's no space for the wild woman in today's society. Mm. There's just no space for us as women. If you live in a city and you have an nine-to-five an job, there's no, unless you obviously make it, I mean, unless you obviously make time for this, yeah. we haven't been taught. We haven't, you know, been given the space, the... Mm inspiration mainstream at all everything is stuck in the maiden and stuck in the huntress everything is either you are going to be saved by someone so you finish university and then you are saved by a man because then you marry and then you're happy and then you you know you grow with this person or you are a boss babe and you just have your own business and you're stuck in the huntress which is like very hard working very masculine and i can do it all by myself there's no space for the wild woman. So this is mm. why it's so important that those that do these practices, we normalize it and we have mm -hmm. conversations about it. And we, yeah. we, we're trying to with our cycles and our wounds. And, yeah. yeah, of course, of course. Mm -hmm. I think so. And I think, you know, um, 
I, I would say there are more and more of us rising up in this way, you know, yeah. and I and I, I say that because I, I'm so blessed to have an amazing community of mm -hmm. people who are open and curious, like I am curious about life and just living and really, as you say, embodying all of these different aspects. And it takes it takes doing the work. These are not easy things, you know, and then we have you talk about the cycles and let's not even get into the moon cycles. I'm sure there's lots that we could talk about there, but some incredible yeah. things that you that you can do just using the energy that we have available to us from this amazing source and and, and place that we live mm -hmm. exactly. so it's so beautiful i love that okay so we're talking about archetypes i want to just delve into because again i know you use this a lot in your work as mm -hmm. do i um the divine masculine and feminine because i think that this also has become a very trendy topic People uh -huh. throw those words out a lot. Yes. Um, and I'd love to know your take on it. What is the divine masculine and feminine? And then how do you use that in the work that you do? Mm, I love that. So inside my program, I actually have someone else, I guess, a speaker coming to teach on that okay. duality that we have in ourselves <laughs> within. So I'll start saying that we both, we all have those energies within us and then we get to yes. have core feminine or core masculine and I'm very aware that even those words can be triggering for some listeners yes. so I also like to change this with alpha and omega so just alpha being what we refer to as masculine a bit more direction and leadership and just forward yep. and omega a little bit more surrendering and opening and like just yeah a bit more feminine yes. in that sense yes um so what I'll say about this is that we both have these energies within. We we all get to tap into more of a masculine direction, clarity, um, action taker, hmm. which a lot of us are stuck. A lot of us as women, and I and I and speak also from experience when I was living in London. Even though I was teaching heels classes and I was teaching all of the essential moves, we definitely I was connected to my feminine in that way. Mm -hmm. I was stuck in a very toxic patriarchal way which was just you know making more and producing more and I wasn't able to surrender I was not able to go of control I was not able to relax I wasn't able to really fully tap into my own pleasure and because I was just so focused on producing more sure which we get to not miss in the state for masculinity because I think when we define these two energies, sometimes it's like, oh, you know, masculine is toxic because we are always doing and and we get to also understand that we get to redefine masculinity and understand that we live in a patriarchal system that doesn't mean that it's masculine. It just means that the way mm -hmm. it doesn't allow for the feminine to surrender, doesn't allow for the feminine to to nurture because mm. we are also in that system so we also get to always provide for ourselves yes um so i mean this is this is a really for me it has been so beautiful to be able to tap into both energies and understand when i get to tap more into that masculine approach sure um for me the qualities of our divine masculine is clarity leadership direction certainty you know, just that I know where I'm going. Hmm. When the divine feminine is, I'm here to nurture, to bleed, to be deeply connected with my intuition. The hmm. divine masculine, the power is more in the mind, in the logic, and we get to embrace it and celebrate that. And divine feminine, the power is in the body, in the feelings, in the intuition. So this yes. is why it's beautiful to have uh, balance and an awareness of both so that we are not stuck only on emotions and chaos and feelings and just the body yes, and we have yes. also beautiful balance with you know rationality and understanding. yeah 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 I mean it's it's so beautiful I, I love the way you've described it and that you've also taken on board that this is not necessarily what you focus on yourself in your mm -hmm. in your training but I do mm -hmm. like that I mean masculine and feminine it's it this is not gender we're talking about the energy of exactly. uh, I like to think of it in so many ways like you said um, alpha and omega or yin and yang mm -hmm. and exactly. you know head and heart or heart and head if I'm going feminine and, and, and so on so there's so many different ways but ultimately there are a lot of people that um, 
I, I know are talking about this work. And for me, the important part, and it's a very big quest, I think, for all of us on some level, even unconsciously, to find that balance, to find that balance in the world where, you know, there's nothing sexier than a woman who is in, in touch with her divine masculine energy. And there's nothing sexier than a man who can be in that, you know, that intuitive nurturing and all those things that you're mentioning, because the, the, the archetypes of that we tend to, to place with man and woman and it's not gender. But mm -hmm. I think that we, the, the goal here is for us to marry the two. Exactly. And if you think about a marriage, right, that is really coming together. Well, a healthy marriage, in my opinion, is coming together as two whole, complete beings choosing mm -hmm. to walk along each, each other on the journey. Mm -hmm. And so I see the, the masculine, divine and feminine and masculine and feminine coming together in the same way, whole mm -hmm. in, 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 in their own essence and choosing to come together to yeah. support the, the the human being they're embodying, let's call it. And I think from that perspective, it's such an important thing um, to bring into the work even more. And I love that. Actually, I'll be after this podcast, I'm jumping on to do some work around that. So it's going to be yeah. fun. Um, but I do love that, you know, again, you're just embodying so many things. And I relate to a lot of it because I think we have a few things in common mm -hmm. in terms of the things that we've done so far. Um, Marta, what sound do you love? what sound do i love my love i i know it's hard to choose one what sound <laughs> just a big release just a big opening and release however that sounded that sounds like a hmm or sounds like a oh <sighs> yeah a like sigh letting go and opening to receive mm. free the body and the emotions yeah. whatever doesn't serve us that's the sound that i love i have to say it's one of my favorites the sigh that oh, just connecting with the body and releasing and oh it's amazing i love it i love it okay and i just have another question actually about healing because i think you kind of kind of already said it but i want you to say it in your own words mm -hmm. um what would you say is your definition of healing my definition of healing is taking responsibility for the patterns and dynamics that you have learned throughout your childhood and your adult life as well. So healing is looking at within, it's looking at your own patterns and, and taking responsibility of those. Therefore, finding ways to unlearn that if it's hurting someone else, if it's hurting yourself. And finding different ways and also understanding and humbling yourself that this is not something that you do once, but you always get to do. If you are on a path of healing, this is not a book, it's not just a podcast, it's not just one retreat, but you are declaring that you mm. are responsible for how you react to others, how you feel. So healing is a never-ending path. It's a constant and always evolving. It has different shapes, different forms, different colors. So I think it's just that sovereignty of like, okay, I am responsible of this. So I take mm -hmm. full sovereignty, full responsibility on how I'm reacting, how I'm relating with this person, with these people, with this habit, and I'm going to heal that. Mm. And I always come back to love. When we have really healed, really, 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 when we have healed something, the only thing, the only thing that is left is love, mm. right? Like for me, the first thing that I had to heal in my childhood was forgiving my dad for committing suicide because mm -hmm. he did it in my, in our house, in our living room. Like it was mm. such a show for all of us. And yes. there was a part of me that was so angry towards him. Of course. And of course, another part that was deeply sad for just the, the hell that he must have been going through in his mind. Mm. And all the process of healing just led to, love just get mm -hmm. to acceptance for what it is forgiveness for what he did so just that love you know like how do i describe healing is the journey to love the journey mm -hmm. to acceptance the journey to freedom through self-responsibility too through sovereignty through a lot of practices a lot of humbling experiences yeah. Mm, I felt that. I I love the way you summarized it at the end. That's amazing. <laughs> it's it's so resonant and and beautiful. And I and I love I love the responsibility piece because I think often people forget that. You know, we are 
you know, it, again, in the work that we do, we're not healing people. We're just helping them and supporting yeah. them to heal themselves. And so it's a really beautiful way of, of, of bringing that into, into fruition. So um, where can people find you right now? Where are you online? And talk a little bit about um, some of the, I know you said you've got a group program and some one-to-one -one mm -hmm. stuff. Talk about what you're offering right now. Sure. So you can find me on Instagram. That's what I'm most active, to be honest. I don't really okay. use any other platform. I don't use Twitter or anything like that, if I'm honest. Um, Instagram um and the handle is i am marta salcedo marta without h in spanish yes and <laughs> you can also find me on my website uh martasalcedo.com and yes i do host programs there's one obviously by the time that this podcast come out we we will have started already but we start one this saturday in, like, in mm -hmm. a couple of days and then I also offer one-to-one -one support and guidance, which is a four-month container where we work with mindset work, new linguistic programming, really understanding where those beliefs coming from, movement, of course, and breath work. Beautiful. And cacao. Love we chose cacao. Cacao. Oh, Incredible. Look, Marta, I I honestly, this has been beautiful and I'm so grateful to, to have met you. I mean, we connected on Instagram, so that's just mm -hmm. how wonderful sometimes, yes. you know, we come together in these ways and we don't know what will unfold. But I am so grateful for the work that you're doing, empowering women and really just, again, helping us to step into our power, release, let go and bring the, the, the essence of who we truly are to light. And I think that's incredible. So hats off to you for the work you're doing. And I celebrate that. And I have one final question. And that is, what is your soulful sound to the world? That is a self prayer or desire that you wish upon the world. A sound or prayer? Wait, a self prayer or a desire that you wish upon the world. So just whatever you desire or pray for, for right now, what would that be? May we free ourselves through movement. May we remember through movement, honestly. May we just come back to the body. Hmm. Aho. Aho, yes, yes. Thank you so much for your time, your energy, your presence. I can't wait to share this yumminess with the world. Thank you, Simone. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you, Marta. Mwah. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to share it with your friends and remember to subscribe. From my heart to yours, sending you love, healing, and sound wherever you are.